A year ago this week, the world lost a sporting legend. Diego Maradona has died. This news threw in the last few moments. Ahora es parte de la triste realidad. Murió Diego Armando Maradona. Maradona was one of the most famous footballers in history and one of the most talented. All these little intricate one-twos, Maradona! Enrique to Maradona. Different class. Different class! He also had his flaws. World Cup authorities are expected to announce that the Argentine captain Diego Maradona is to be sent home in disgrace after failing a drugs test. Maradona's Italian debts of more than 50 million US dollars stem from alleged unpaid taxes during the time he played for Napoli from 1980. But even after all the scandals, to people in Argentina, he remained a heroic figure. In general, the public, no, never, never fell out of love with him, even through the drug scandals and all that. There was just a, there was definitely disappointment and sadness when he was going through the issues that he was going through, but I don't think the love ever changed. Stand-up comic Stephen Mullen, whose mother was born in Argentina, is one of millions who felt a personal connection to Maradona. Today, he remembers how a footballer became such a huge presence in his life and in the life of a nation. Stephen, you were in his presence once. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. But it was my first time to go to Argentina on my own. Uh, so it was I was 19. It was 2005. And uh, it was an interesting time. I'd gone through a really difficult uh, part of my own life, actually. And um, this kind of trip to Argentina was a, was a kind of way of kind of celebrating that I'd gotten out of a bad patch. And I arrived in... He says at airport, my, uh, I was staying with friends of the family. They picked me up and I got a text saying, your uncle wants to bring you to La Bombonera tonight. And the family I was staying with didn't want me to go because they were River Plate fans. <laughs> What's the Bombonera now, just for our listeners? So La Bombonera is, it translates literally to the chocolate box, which is the name of Boca Juniors Stadium. So it's in the heart of La Boca, and La Boca is like the port in, in, in Buenos Aires, the old port in Buenos Aires. And it's a fascinating part of town. It's basically, predominantly, it was formed by Italian immigrants that lived in the area, and all the houses are painted the colors of the football team. So it's a really colorful part of town. And I was, it was explained to me that we're, they were celebrating 100 years of Boca Juniors. So we went to uh, La Bombonera, and... It's overwhelming the way that the stadiums work there, the way that the, the fans never stop singing. So there was, there, was no, there was no match on, but the stadium was absolutely full. And you hear the cumbia beat of the drums. So and these cumbia dancers, like a long snake, kind of coming out onto the pitch and they're somersaulting and they're hitting the drums. And eventually this whole snake kind of fills up the whole pitch. And I remember there was a, one side of the stadium was a huge cinema screen and they were kind of making up this kind of dramatic history of Boca, but it wasn't real. So they were kind of joking, saying, you know, Van Gogh was a, was a, was a fan of Boca Juniors because he, he, blue and yellow were his favorite colors. Tutankamon, Bostero. Robin Hood, Bostero. And of course, God himself was a fan of Boca. And you have a picture of, of Jesus Christ himself like that with his hands out. Y Jesús, bueno, siempre supimos que Dios era de Boca. And then it flickers to Diego and the place goes absolutely crazy. But the big reveal was that at the end of the night, Diego came out and it was like emotionally overwhelming. I remember just looking around and everybody was crying. 
everybody was like tears streaming down the faces and um, Diego had a huge security around him and you could see how tiny he was he was so small and he gets brought up to the stage and he starts to tell to them you're the best fans in the world you're the best but you can't hear him because they're just shouting Maradon 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 they they presented him with some medal and it was it was an amazing amazing experience to I finally under I finally fitted in with loads of other people as well because I wasn't the only one with a Maradona tattoo. So. <laughs> you have a Maradona tattoo, do you? I do. Yeah, <laughs> I had it done six months before that trip. Yeah. <laughs> Diego Maradona is a year dead this week. Can you tell me how you heard the news that he died? I remember it well. It happened kind of in the same way. My uh, when my grandfather passed away, I was actually asleep. <laughs> I was having a nap in the middle of the day, and I awoke to a text from uh, a friend of mine who sent me a news link. And at that time, it was it was rumors. It was it was kind of unconfirmed, and uh, I got quite panicked actually. <laughs> uh, and um, the, my first port of call was to WhatsApp my uncle in Buenos Aires, and I just said, "Is it true?" And he. Um, and he wrote, I knew from the voice message I got back, he was in tears and, and it was true. I couldn't believe it. And yeah, I don't remember crying as much in my life. I, I must say I was overwhelmed with sadness. Even now as I'm speaking to you, I can feel it all coming up again, you know. Um, I remember it well, yeah. And where do you think that sadness comes from? I mean, this wasn't somebody you knew. It wasn't a family member. You know, without being trite, just a footballer. I know. And sometimes I felt like I keep even saying, I was saying to my partner the other day, I feel silly sometimes, but I, but I can't help it, you know. But it's the effect that, that he had on people. For, for me, as an, as an Irish-Argentinian growing up in Ireland, he was a big link to my, my Argentinian identity. Like, my first football memory was when he scored a penalty against uh, Italy in Italian 90. Maradona, goal! Goal! Argentino! I remember my mother jumping around the sitting room in Cork and that's just what he does for Argentinians and she was so proud, so proud to be Argentinian and he was he was a real sense of pride for all Argentinians. And you actually grew up in Cork. Mm. I'm just wondering, would a, would a comparable Irish footballer be Roy Keane? I mean, is, is that the kind of stature that Diego Maradona would have had in Argentina or was it even greater than that? He's probably the closest footballing reference that we have in this country. Um, I would agree with you on that, but there's no comparison. It's hard to put into words, but he is a god over there. That is, you know, that is the bottom line. And he means uh, so much uh, to people. And having experienced the effect that he has on people over there, the emotion he brings up in people, um, because of where he came from and what he made it to, he brings people to, to tears all the time because there's a, such a sense of pride in such a society that has is broken in so many different ways for a young kid to come from the Vijas to come out of there and and to be the best in the world. So, you know, he really made Argentinians be proud of themselves. And maybe we could go into that in a little bit more detail because for many Irish people, he would have been widely recognised as a footballing genius. In fact, he's probably only one of maybe five footballers that everybody knows. Mm. You'd have Maradona, Pele, Ronaldo, Messi, and maybe David Beckham. And there'd be others then you could fight over. But Maradona was just famous everywhere. And he was recognised as a football genius, albeit a flawed one, maybe in the mould of Georgie Best. But for the people of Argentina, he transcended football. Can you tell me how he did that and what impact he had on Argentina and on the people of Argentina over the course of his career? 
I'm brought back and uh, even to thinking about this and talking to my mother a lot who grew up in Argentina in the 1970s. In order to understand why he was so great, you must understand Argentina in that time in particular. The faces of the victims line the streets of Buenos Aires. This banner, a reminder of the sheer scale of the repression. The military dictatorship in Argentina lasted seven years, between 1976 and 1983, but it left its mark on several generations. There are still and politically, what Argentina was going through was really... Um, it was a really volatile situation. You know, governments switch, power switch between military governments. And any time there was democracy, it was completely chaotic. My, this is my mother's words. It was chaotic. Democracy wasn't actually a good thing in Argentina in those days. And then you had, you had on the other side, you had left-wing guerrillas, basically, who were violently, um, you know, blowing up buses and, you know, tearing the place apart. It was a really difficult time for, for Argentinians, both economically, massive poverty... In the ni- 1978, the military uh, government was in power and they hosted the, the World Cup in Argentina. And Argentina actually won it. But there wasn't the sense of pride at winning it then because there was a sense, my mother speaks of, going to the park um, to watch the final. And for them, it was an, actually a distraction from what was really going on that they knew at the time. La, La Junta, the, the government, the military government, were disappearing people all over the place. And now today we know it was... Up to 30,000 people were, were uh, being disappeared, essentially, systematically, and it was going on behind the scenes. And my mother and people kind of knew it was happening, but yet it was a rumor. You know, you couldn't confirm it. And this is when Maradona came to, to prominence. Maradona really comes to prominence at the time when, just after the, the embarrassment of the Falklands War, which was another military attempt to put a, a proud face and tell the people we're going to fight for our, for our lands back. And they just embarrassed them. They sent all the poor young men out to their deaths, you know, and they were absolutely hammered by, by the British. And you're talking about Maradona came through at a time and obviously a really passionate footballing uh, country, but he came through in a time when the country was not proud of itself. There was infighting all over the place. There was terror all the time there was extreme violence all the time and he came through and said look at us look at somebody who's come from the bottom of this society and can be the best in the world maradona the fifth of eight children brought up in a buenos aires working class slum never received an education that would remotely prepare him for the temptations that fame and wealth would later bring he came from Villa Fiorito, which is what we, in English, that's what you would call it, a shanty town. And um, so out on the outskirts of Buenos Aires City, so in the province towards the south. And where he came from, there was no, you know, his house didn't have running water, didn't have, you know, a proper toilet, facilities, proper sanitary, etc. Um, to this day, you still, as my, my mother says, and I've been reading up on it as well, you still don't go there. It's still quite a, a dangerous place to go to. But he grew up in a really small it's hard to call it a house. It was kind of a shack, really. He had uh, seven brothers and sisters and his mother and father. And uh, from the age of 11, he got signed to Argentinos Juniors, which is like a, a professional football team there. And he started to make money at 11 by doing tricks at halftime in the stadium for all the fans. And then, as his sister said in the, the recent documentary about him, he was the sole breadwinner for the family from the age of 15. And by 18, he was able to move 
all those family into a, into a proper house and all that. So he really carried, I mean, a lot of what he went through, the bad side of Diego was he was carrying the world on his shoulders because from 15 he was carrying his family uh, on his shoulders and he, he took on the responsibility of looking after them, you know, from a very young age. And did he look after his family all the way through his career? Financially, yes. Um, I think there might have been fallings out with si- uh, siblings and all that kind of stuff. But both of his brothers actually went on to be, it's a little known fact, both of his brothers actually went on to be professional footballers themselves. They weren't of the same stature as Diego. But um, yeah, up until, like he lived he lived with his parents in Buenos Aires up until uh, later in life. They were all in the same house until they passed away and stuff like that. So yeah, he was very close with his, with his, with his parents, yeah. And when did he really make his footballing breakthrough on the world stage? When did people in this country, people who maybe didn't have Argentinian roots like you do, when did people become aware of Diego Maradona? In the early 80s, people were all over the world and all over Europe really started to know more about him, especially when he signed for Barcelona. Um, so that was in the early 80s, and he was well-known by Spain 82, the World Cup in 82. Uh, I think he famously got sent off against Brazil for losing his temper at one point. And then... 86 was really Mexico 86 when he really took the bull by the horns and um, he took Argentina to and he really did drag that team to winning the World Cup final people again people don't understand all the infighting that was going on in Argentina at the time they were giving out about him that he was in decline they didn't like the style of play from the manager all the pundits were you know bemoaning the way that the team play part of the fans didn't like Diego blah 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 you know which is very Argentinian to be honest with you but all that was going on in the background and what we know now as well is that he had a, a child as well um, outside of, in another relationship. That was all going on in the background but he still put the head down, dragged the team together and they went and won the World Cup and that's when he really, and obviously the game against England. Tell us a little bit about that game against England. Diego did two things that, that he scored two goals that were you know will be forever rem- remembered and it probably does I know it's a cliche at this stage but it encapsulates his character the first goal he scored was a, was a handball and he cheated to score that goal and he delighted in doing that and that was part of you know the streetwise South American football if you can get away with it then that's fine it's very anti what the British style of football would be but that was the difference between British style and South American style if you can get away with it you can get away with it but then the second goal is Gary Lineker who was on the pitch that day as he says it was the first time that I ever saw an opposition team member score a goal and I felt I had to applause and he basically ran through half of the English team um, from inside the Argentinian half and around the goalkeeper and scored which is still today one of the best goals of all time Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble little squat man comes inside Butcher leaves him for dead outside Fennec leaves him for dead and puts the ball away Pure class. Pure class. As Jimmy McGee might have had it. Yes, pure class, as Jimmy said. And um, Gary Lindegar was speaking about it recently as well. He says what people don't understand was the pitch was in terrible condition and it had just been relayed before the World Cup. So actually, when you pressed your foot to try and push off, it was like the squares of turf that they'd laid down would move to the side. So it was really unsteady surface. And to do what he did still was, yeah, pure class, exactly. So 1986, that was the pinnacle of his career. What happened after that? In in 86, he was also uh, playing club football in Napoli. 
He had brought them to win their first ever Serie A titles, their first two Serie A titles, and they won the UEFA Cup as well. And they, they had basically won nothing before. But what was going on behind the scenes in Naples as well, it wasn't a great place for him. And that's where his drug habit really got out of hand, uh, cocaine in particular. And he got caught as well um, doing deals, um, you know, getting involved with prostitution and stuff like that as well. And he was basically, by 89-90, he was ran out of Italy. He kind of legged it. He had so many drug charges against him from the authorities. Um, he'd failed so many drug tests that he kind of, he ran out the back door in the end, you know. But he didn't stop playing football. He didn't. Um, he kind of, he did leave Italy. He went on to Sevilla in Spain. But it was very on and off. He was failing drug tests here and there. He was banned as well for about 18 months, I think, at one point. Uh, he plays for Sevilla for a bit. He goes back to Boca Juniors in, in Buenos Aires as well. And uh, eventually he makes it to, the, to USA 94. Well, at the age of 33, he's back again. Diego Maradona, scorer of what BBC viewers recently voted the greatest goal of them all. That was a real comeback. I remember the excitement in our family home in Cork. Um, and I remember the goal against Greece and the famous celebration um, where he screams into the camera. And then, unfortunately, in the following game against uh, Nigeria, he he failed another drugs test. The shockwaves which followed FIFA's announcement touched all parts of the globe, but the most immediate impact came later the same day as Argentina, with a new captain, seemed without direction and promptly lost 2-0 to Bulgaria. That was really heartbreaking. I remember, I remember my mother kind of uh, telling me about it. <laughs> I, was, I was only young then, I would have been eight or nine or something like that, and I, I didn't quite understand it, but I was definitely upset about it. And she was always very gracious talking about these things because she knew where he came from, and she would always say that, look, he came from difficult circumstances, you know, and we all have our, our problems. Um, definitely became, it became a bit of a joke, you know, it became a bit of a laugh around around the place where Maradona doing cocaine, etc., etc. But uh, we were there that summer as well. We went there as a family and everyone was excited for something good to happen, you know, fingers crossed, always a bit of hope that, they, you know, they might win another World Cup. Uh, and it was absolute heartbreak in Argentina when he dropped out. And was that it then for Maradona as a footballer? Pretty much, pretty much. Unfortunately, he was, you know, he was early 30s at that stage. Um, but people don't give him enough credit for as well as he had a lot of injuries. And in Guillaume Balaga's recent biography on Maradona, he said that by the time he had moved to Naples, where he achieved so much, he didn't have the ability to move his left foot. Uh, he couldn't rotate it. He could just go up and down with it. He had had that many injuries and that many surgeries on it. So his body was, you know, even towards the end of his life, you could see he was hobbling in, in a way that was way beyond his years because he had so many injuries. He came from a time when he was so good, it was acceptable to really kick the life out of him, you know, around the pitch, you know. And he really, you can see some of the footage on YouTube that he was booted around pitches and he just got up and kept going, you know. So it, it kind of was. He did go back to Boca Juniors. He had a couple of stints there at Boca Juniors, but he was essentially officially retired, I think, by 96 or 97. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make that like the football of the 1970s and 1980s and indeed the 1990s was very different. The footballs were heavier mm. and the tackles were far heavier and like there, there, there was real violence on the football pitches. So he did well to survive into his 30s as a footballer, didn't he? Absolutely. And, and also, I mean, he is, he was 
tiny. He's he's small. Like people think Messi is small today. He was smaller than Messi, and he was such a small, small guy. But he was strong. So you know, he did. Yeah, he he had lumps kicked out of him. Absolutely. And actually, it's interesting that you mentioned Messi. Like, obviously, another Argentinian player, best player in the world, arguably. How would Messi compare? To Maradona. Now, I'm not talking about playing styles and I'm not saying what would happen if the two of them came up against each other. But in terms of how they were viewed and how they are viewed in Argentina, is Messi regarded with the same love and loyalty as Maradona was? Or is it a whole different thing? It's a, it, is a, it is a very, it's a whole different thing. Um, Argentina won the Copa America there um, a couple of months ago for the first time, I think since 1993. And I think that will have changed Argentinians' perception of Messi because the argument has always been he's never done it for Argentina. You know, Argentina haven't won a trophy, so they would be a bit critical of Messi. I I think there is, no, there definitely is a lot of love for Messi, but they're completely different characters. And what they came through is completely different as well. And I think because Messi... You know, he left Argentina at 12. He was in Barcelona for so long. There's a little bit more of Maradona that he's, he's, he's grabbed the imagination. He was, you know, he's a much more fiery character. Like Messi is, he's a bit more of an introvert and he's, he's extremely consistent over a far more <laughs> longer period of time. But I think it's the passion of Maradona and what he inspired in people is just a completely different thing and it's a very different relationship. And after he stopped playing football entirely, like, he didn't just go gracefully into the good night. I mean, what did he do after he stopped playing football? Diego did all sorts of things. You know, his health was, was the main issue. So depending on how his health was doing, he could be doing all sorts of different things. So he actually he spent various extended periods in different rehab, rehabilitation facilities. He, his, his weight would have, like, gone really, really big. And, but then when he, when he was doing well, he had his own chat show at, at, at once, uh, La Noche de Dios, uh, de Dios the, the night of the number 10. Fue elegido el mejor jugador del mundo del juvenil 2005. Uh, it was a chat show and it was great. It was great fun. He'd have famous footballers on and all these celebrities on. Lionel Messi! They'd play like um, football tennis live on the show in the studio and he was always the best as well. He could still beat Messi and <laughs> Tevez and all these guys and it was great fun. And he did do a bit of management as well. And I think his, his management was really interesting because he did manage the, the Argentinian national team in the 2000, and I can't remember if it was 2010 or 2014 World Cup. And I don't think he was ever much of a coach, but what he did was he, he'd have his coaches around him, but he could inspire a team. There's a fascinating documentary on Netflix at the moment of him coaching a team um, in Mexico, a second division team in Mexico, and he gets them promoted. You just don't, to look at him, you think he's not fit to be doing that, but he, can, he could still inspire people to get the job done. So, But it, it fluctuated. Um, some days he was doing great, and I think towards the end of his life, he definitely needed to be keeping busy, you know, and when he wasn't busy, that was always trouble with his addiction issues. How did he die and where did he die? He had just had um, surgery on his brain that was uh, apparently it was it wasn't anything it was to get rid of a cloth that they, it was a successful surgery 
and he'd been confined to, to a home and he was kind of in care with doctors and, and all that stuff. And I actually don't think he had his family with him. And I think that was he was really struggling with that. This is because of COVID and the pandemic. So he was kind of locked away from the house, locked away from locked away in a house, locked away from from work, from being able to coach. He did get really depressed. And I think he could, had confined himself to his room for the last couple of days. And eventually it was a heart attack, you know, that, that, that did it, you know. How do you think he'll be remembered both by the people of Argentina and maybe the wider footballing world? I think it's very Argentinian what has happened in the last year since he passed away because, of course, now there's controversy as to how he passed away and if the doctor was at fault or the people who were supposed to be looking after him were at fault. But I think ultimately, you know, the general consensus seems to be that he didn't die of COVID-19, but the pandemic was the end of him because he, he did need to keep busy and he was just confined to this one place and it wasn't good for his mental health. And um, I think he apparently had started drinking again and he had started co- in a coaching job, but he couldn't go and coach. So that was taken away from him. So that didn't help. And there's a lot of controversy. His daughters are um, kind of, I think, taking doctors to court and stuff like that. So there's still a bit of controversy as, uh, with the whole thing, which is very Diego, to be honest with you, because it never, the, in, in a sense, the drama never ends. But but ultimately, there's there is huge, huge love for him out there. And, and you know, like you saw it on the news feeds last year, you know, Buenos Aires was full of people that wanted to pay their respects. And then there was riots when they had to cut off the line and say, look, we have to we have to bury him at some point because we'll be here for the next year with people trying to pay their respects to him. In Argentina, he'll always be remembered with great, great love. Um, and uh, I think sadness as well. Like people would have obviously wished that he would have had a better life. It was hugely shocking when he did pass away. I think it was for everybody. But I think if you look at it, if you were able to look at it objectively, it shouldn't have been a surprise really the way his health was deteriorating. And I think in in the greater world um, of of football, I was you know really taken aback with how he covered his name covered you know news bulletins worldwide all over the world. So there's a lot of love for him around the world, and I think um, I think that's how he'll be remembered. I think people because he was a flawed character, he never wanted to be seen as perfect. He never wanted to be seen you know he just wanted to be himself. And yes, he was a flawed character, but he just want I think he wanted to be loved ultimately, and I think he is greatly loved around the world. Thanks very much for talking to us, Stephen. Thank you very much. That's it for today. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.